Welcome, my friend, to our seventh session now, walking our way through the book of Job. Now, when we left off, Eliphaz was right in the middle of speaking to Job for the first time. And he said to him in verse 7 of chapter 5, Man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. And that saying came from this man who was the voice of experience, Eliphaz. And as we've seen and we will continue to learn in this chapter, Eliphaz spoke many wonderful truths, but he was not able to properly identify the reason for Job's suffering. And he may remind you of somebody that you know who has an answer to give you, but it's not the right answer for your problem or for the question that you're asking. And we'll be picking up at verse 8 of Job chapter 5 today. But as we do, let's begin with a word of prayer. Please bow your heart with me. Our gracious God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would fill our lives. Give us a peace that comes from knowing you. Give us understanding of your word now, God, that we study to grow closer to you reveal new truths to our hearts and our minds and we ask that you open them to you and speak to us through your word in this time now and we offer this time into your hands in Jesus name amen now we move on here verse 8 of chapter 5 of Job but as for me I would seek God and I would place my cause before God who does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends water on the fields, so that he sets on high those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He frustrates the plotting of the shrewd, so that their hands cannot attain success. He captures the wise by their own shrewdness, and the advice of the cunning is quickly thwarted. By day they meet with darkness, and grope at noon as in the night. But he saves from the sword of their mouth, and the poor from the hand of the mighty. So the helpless has hope, and unrighteousness must shut its mouth. Now what Eliphaz is saying here to Job, and he's articulating it beautifully, what he's saying is that God is faithful, and God is good, and God is just. That's the thing that he's saying. And again, that's true. But that doesn't reach the root of Job's problem. He's not actually talking to Job. He's, well, he's just talking. Now, verse 17. Behold, how happy is the man whom God reproves. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. And I've heard that verse quoted many times. Well, isn't it true? Yes, it is true. But Eliphaz is using it here as a personal dig against Job. That doesn't always explain the reason why God's people suffer. We've gone over a list here in this book, and there are several reasons. And sometimes you can use this one as a dull-bladed little dagger to put in the heart of some friend and say, well, you see, what's happened is you're wrong, so God's correcting you. Now, that could be, but it might not be. 
And who are you? Did you just telephone into heaven and God let you in on some secret? Did you exchange emails with him? Did the Lord send you a text message? Did he tweet at you? Send you a Snapchat? Say, hey, this guy's wrong. I'm going to do something to correct him. Some people talk that way. They, they, they think that they know something. Well, may I say, you can't always speak into the problem or the situation of somebody else. God leads all of his, his children individually. And you can't discern for somebody else. And somebody else can't speak into your problem either. Now, verse 18. For he inflicts pain and gives relief. He wounds and his hands also heal. Now, what a wonderful picture of God this is here. And it is a picture of him, by the way. Verse 19. From six troubles he will deliver you. Even in seven, evil will not touch you. And we see here from six even in seven and you'll find similar expressions throughout the book of proverbs it's used to emphasize certain things it's actually a device used to emphasize the seventh thing in six no not even six in seven and the seventh thing is given a special point of emphasis and seven by the way is actually not necessarily the number of perfection but it is the number of completeness. The seventh day was the end of one week. One week had come to an end. And when this method is used in the scriptures, it's meant to emphasize a complete list. And Eliphaz here gives us the total spectrum of the trouble of man. And just as a side note real quick, look back at verse 13 and mark in your margins there, 1 Corinthians 3.19 Paul quotes from Eliphaz's words there to prove the foolishness of man's wisdom before God. And I think that that's a little ironic, the choice that Paul makes to make that point because he quotes Eliphaz. Eliphaz is clearly very wise and he states many truths about the nature of God. But his wisdom is foolish. It does not address the problem of Job. So just an interesting side note for you to look into on your own time. But moving on, he will deliver you in seven of these. Here they are, verse 20. In famine, he will redeem you from death, two. And in war, from the power of the sword, three. You will be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. And by the way, that one there is one of the worst. You'll be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. Gossips. More people have been hurt today by gossips. There have been many more people slain in the past few days by the tongue than have ever been slain in war. And we need to pray that God will deliver us from an evil tongue. That's something. Now, fourth... And you will not be afraid when you will not be afraid of violence when it comes. And that word here in the New American Standard is violence. The King James Version it says destruction. And the Hebrew word is showed. It means violence, havoc, ruin, or devastation. 
That is the typhoon, the tornado, the storm, the hurricane, the earthquake. I remember as a kid growing up in Colorado, in seventh grade on the last day of school, there was a tornado that touched down right near our school, and they wouldn't let anybody go home. On the last day of school, it was summer vacation, and they wouldn't let anybody go home. We couldn't leave. We all had to go out in the hallway, away from all the windows, to the gymnasium. But God will deliver you from disaster. He might just expect you to wait out in the hallway a little while. Now, fifth and sixth, verse 22, you will laugh at violence and famine, and you will not be afraid of wild beasts. You will laugh at famine and destruction. And I rejoice in these groups that are out there, Child Care Worldwide and Compassion International and so many fine groups that are bringing the gospel around the world. But they're also bringing food and aid to places stricken by famine and disaster. You can't feed somebody's spirit if their body needs real food. And there are many places and many groups where sort of like a crackerjack prize the bible after a nice meal or maybe hidden in a bag of rice you will laugh at famine and destruction and you will not be afraid of the beasts of the earth and where i live they keep most of the beasts of the earth in cages at the zoo and i'm not afraid of them now verse 23 for you will be in league with the stones of the field and the beasts of the field will be at peace with you you will know that your tent is secure for your visit for you will visit your abode and fear no loss you will know that also your descendants will be many and your offspring as the grass of the earth you will come to the grave in full vigor like the stacking of grain in its season now that's death and here eliphaz speaks of death not as job did as it being some awful hideous monster but instead he he speaks of it as something that you welcome and there is a leveling out in death now he says verse 27 behold this we have investigated it and so it is hear it and know for yourself now that's the first discourse of eliphaz and as you see this has not met the needs of job it hasn't touched his problem and this man, Job, is now dismayed. The fact of the matter is, he's alarmed, and he will cry out for mercy. He cries out for help, because his friend Eliphaz was not any help at all. And now Job will answer Eliphaz. His condition is much worse than any of his friends realize, and he just wishes that God would destroy him. He's lost everything. He's lost his family. And this man, Job, now has painful, sore boils covering his whole body. And the pain is getting worse and worse. And he wished that he could die. And then his friend Eliphaz came along and tried to insinuate that all this was happening because there was some awful sin in Job's life. That he was keeping a secret. And that wasn't true. But Eliphaz was articulate and he spoke profoundly but he didn't touch Job's problem at all. And now Job will answer Eliphaz. Listen to him now. This is Job, and again, this is the plaintive plea that he makes. Verse 1 of chapter 6 of Job. Then Job answered, 
Oh, that my grief were actually weighed and laid in the balances together with my calamity. For then it would be heavier than the sand of the seas. Therefore my words have been rash. Job says, I can't even tell you how terrible my grief is. I can't explain to you this awful thing that has happened to me. Now you can see this man Eliphaz was not helpful to him at all. And just to tell him that he's got some secret sin and oh well the thing for you to do boy is to confess and get right. And that my friend is not always the thing to say. And I think this is a good place to inject this point. I've seen some signs and bumper stickers and I've even heard people say Christ is the answer. Now may I say he might be the answer but first of all you gotta know what's the question? If the question is the same one that the Philippian jailer asked to Paul and Silas in Acts 16 verse 30 mark that down in the margins here if the question is what must I do to be saved? Then the answer is the same one that Paul gave in verse 31 there. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So if that's the question, then yes, Christ is the answer. But now, if the question is, well, I'm going down to the market and I wonder what kind of meat I should buy for dinner. Should I have pork chops or should I have chicken or maybe hamburgers? What should I have? I don't think he has the answer to that one. I don't think he cares. So maybe that's sort of a tangent, but I feel like when you say Christ is the answer, may I say not necessarily. Let's find out what the question is first. And that's what Job is trying to get through to us now. He says, my grief is such that I want an answer. My grief needs an answer. And just to come along to someone like that and say, Christ is the answer, you haven't given me the handle yet. You haven't told me. You didn't recognize what my question was, Eliphaz. You totally missed the point completely. Now, Eliphaz has said a lot of nice things, good things. But Job needs something just a little better. We need a better answer than that, frankly. Job needs more than what's been given to him. Now listen to him. He's crying out now. He's like a wounded animal. Verse 4. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. Their poison my spirit drinks. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Does the wild donkey bray over his grass? Or does the ox low over his fodder? Job says, I'm crying out. And you can see my misery. But you show no pity at all. I wouldn't be crying out for nothing. You're acting as if I'm not in real trouble. And when a little old long-eared donkey is out in the field and he's eating grass, well, he's not braying for something to eat. And Joe says, I'm not crying out because there's nothing hurting me. I'm hurting. And he is hurting bad. Now, will you notice this? Verse 6, he says, Can something tasteless be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? That's pretty tasteless, I think. 
Verse 7, My soul refuses to touch them. They are loathsome food to me. Oh, that my request might come to pass, and that God would grant my longing. Verse 9, Would that God were willing to crush me, that he would loose his hand and cut me off. Now, he's hit rock bottom, my friend. He's got no help anywhere, not even from his friend. And he again yearns for death. But this time, he's wishing that God would just destroy him now. Before, you remember, it was, why was I born? Why didn't I die at birth? And now it's, why can't I just die now? And Job believed that these were God's judgments, the arrows of the Almighty, and the terrors of God, he said. But he did not understand why. If God was judging him, why wouldn't he just kill him? Quit holding back and just do away with me already. He wants to die, Job does. He's miserable. Verse 10. But it is still my consolation, and I rejoice in unsparing pain, that I have not denied the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should wait? And what is my end that I should endure? I don't have anything to live for. Verse 12, is my strength the strength of stones, or is my flesh bronze? He says, I'm weary. I can't stand it any longer. The pressure is just too great. Verse 13, is it that my help is not within me, and that my deliverance is driven from me? Verse 14, listen to him here. Listen to his cry. What a cry this is from his man. For the despairing man is there should be kindness from his friend, so that he does not forsake the fear of the Almighty. Job says, my friend should have showed pity to me. He should have sympathized with me. But he didn't. And then he says here, verse 15, my brothers have acted deceitfully like a wadi, like the torrents of wadis which vanish which are turbid because of ice and into which the snow melts. What he's saying is this, and again, he says it in this beautiful poetic language. He says, when I looked up and I saw my three friends coming down the road, I said, oh, thank God. Here come my three friends. They'll sympathize with me. They'll understand me. They didn't. They came and they immediately started shaking their heads. So what was it then that I saw when I looked up? I thought I saw a wadi, an oasis out on the desert. But what I saw was a mirage. That's the language of Job. I didn't see reality. I saw nothing but a mirage out in the desert. What a picture this man Job gives us here. Listen to the plaintive cry of Job. And I'm not sure, but I think this is the cry of the human predicament of mankind today. We today, with all of our gadgets, and all of our smartphones, and all of our amenities, oh, how lonesome we are, and how restless. Even with all of our little church programs, and our little functions that we have, how unhappy we are and how miserable 
Man today is certainly Enosh. He's the miserable one. And we need something more than gadgets and smartphones. We need something more than programs and functions. We need something more than activities and prosperity. Beloved, we need God. And we're going to leave it off right there for today. Hopefully, uh, Job's words here give you something to think about for next time. Um, I would encourage you to go back and read uh, from chapter 5 all the way up through the end of chapter 7. And we'll try to get through all of that next time so that you can review what we've covered, um, that you can get a preview for next time, and of course, so that you can come to your own conclusions. And we will be um, going to the end of chapter 7, Lord willing, next time. So until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. See you. Life is a test, many quests to universe. And through my research, I felt the joy and the hurt.